0: Welcome to Faith. Uh, whether you're joining us in person tonight, whether you're joining us online this evening, we are glad to have you here with us. Um, if we have met, my name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and we are in a different uh, kind of Christmas season this year. It's a uh, it's a COVID Christmas, and uh, we're just doing things a little bit differently uh the, the, the pandemic just kind of puts you in a spot where you need to do that. If you're going to try and uh, hold intention well, try and, you know, as you try and make worship as fully available as you can and you try and keep people as safe as you can all at the same time. And so uh, tonight's going to be a little bit different than Christmas Eve has been in the past, but we're going to take time and we're going to worship God together. So uh, if you are joining us for the first time or you've been away for a bit, we've been in the midst of a series called The Carols of Christmas. And really simply, what we're doing is each week we're looking at a different uh, Christmas carol. And we're just asking, hey, what is this carol talking about? And what does the Bible have to say in response to that? And so tonight we're going to look at the carol that we just finished singing, um, What Child Is This? And maybe you're paying attention as you sang. Maybe you're just kind of going through the motions because you, you know, you've sung these songs Uh, so often, so many years in a row, you really don't think so much about what you're you're, you're singing about, but really what what this song is uh, doing is it's calling our attention to the fact that there's something different about this child, that there's something different about Jesus, That, that he is different than any other child born before him, that he is different than any other child who will be born after him. And if you think about it, that's correct. Like, how how many of us are parents? All right, think about the birth of your your first child. Chances are, the details surrounding the birth of your first child were different than the details surrounding the birth of Jesus, right? Like, with Jesus, you had all kinds of angels. There there are angels who, who come, you know, Angel comes to Mary, let her know. She's going to have a child, immaculate conception. Angels come, you know, and Joseph is, is told that, hey, what Mary is saying, this is really the truth. You should marry her. Don't worry. She hasn't been running around. You have angels who come to the shepherds, you know, to, to announce the birth of Jesus to them. Angels all over the place. I can recall vividly the details surrounding the birth of, say, our first child, Michael. There were no angels, all right? None. Uh, at the time, I was working at TGI Fridays. I was, uh, it was about 9 p.m. on a Wednesday night. I was scheduled to be there till 2 a.m. My wife goes into labor, and um, th- this is before the advent of cell phones, right? So she is calling on a landline to a landline. Young people, a landline is a phone that is permanently attached to the wall in your house, all right? And so my wife calls up. The hostess answers. My wife explains to the hostess she has gone into labor and then has to beg the hostess to let me speak to her because you're not allowed to get personal phone calls on the landline there at work. This is how it went. There was nothing angelic about that announcement. Or, or at you know, Jesus' birth, there's all these different visitors. You, you have shepherds who leave their fields and their flocks. They come to see Jesus. And when they see Jesus, we're told afterwards they leave praising and glorifying God. We have wise men who travel hundreds and hundreds of miles to see this child. And we're told that when they see him, they offer these crazy expensive gifts fit for a king. And then they bow down and worship him. Now, we had visitors, sort of, at Michael's birth. We had my wife's best friend, Stephanie. She was there for the labor and delivery. When Stephanie left, it was nothing like the shepherds. She was not praising or glorifying God. She was exhausted and just looking for a bed, because while Laura went into labor around nine, Michael didn't bother to come till about three in the morning. All right, this is how it goes, right? And so um, it was nothing like the shepherds. Or um, my wife's mother, you know, came. It wasn't exactly a visitor. She showed up at about eight in the morning on Thursday because we needed somebody to give Laura and Michael a ride home, because I had to go into school Thursday morning to take my midterms. And so my, grand, you know, my, my wife's mother you know, is now a grandmother. This is her first grandchild. She is thrilled, but it's not like the wise men. She did not bow down and worship Michael that morning. All right? Didn't go down like that. And while she took my wife and Michael through the drive-thru at McDonald's and bought them breakfast, right? it was not gold or frankincense or myrrh. Just the details surrounding his birth were nothing like the details surrounding the birth of Jesus. As close as you get, and it really doesn't even count for much, is that both children were born in strange places, and the the details surrounding the delivery were, were a little bit odd as well. Like, Jesus is born in a barn, and in all likelihood, Joseph assisted with the delivery. Michael is born at the Garden of Life Birth Center. See, we got pregnant with Michael prior to the federal government mandating that you have maternity insurance, which meant we were poor college kids who didn't have any. In fact, I don't think we had any medical insurance. And so it meant we were gonna have to pay for labor and delivery out of pocket. And when you're in college and you work at Fridays, that's a huge financial hit. So we're trying to figure out how in the world are we gonna pay for this? And one day my wife comes to me and she says, hey, I've been doing this research I think I wanna have the baby with midwives at the Garden of Life Birthing Center. Now what you need to understand is, again, this is a long time ago, this is prior to the advent of midwives being really cool. The Garden of Life Birthing Center, it's this building. It is in no way connected to a hospital, just this independent building in Dearborn. And you have these crazy hippie midwives. There's no doctor in the building. There's just these crazy hippie midwives who are um, delivering your child. And so Laura's telling me about this and I'm thinking, I don't know if this is a good idea. But my wife knows me and so she goes for the jugular. (laughs) She says, this is going to cost us less than half of what it would cost to have the baby in a hospital. And immediately I say, honey, if this is what you want to do, I just want to support you. And as it was, we still had to take out a personal loan to cover the cost of the birth of our first child. A loan that we were making, I was making payments on my son until his third birthday. And while I very much, there were times in those three years I very much wanted the creditors to repossess the child. They wouldn't do it, right? I I mean, there's just... The birth of Jesus was crazy different than the birth of any other child. Which begs the question, you know, like, why this child? And why the factors surrounding his birth? Why are they so different? Why is, why is Jesus and why are the factors surrounding his birth so different? Now, the carol that we sang alludes the answers to that question. But the prophet of Isaiah, writing hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus, he he speaks directly in answer to that question. Now, Isaiah and the carol, they both speak to this, uh, about this. And when Isaiah begins... It's almost as though in the 53rd chapter of his book, Isaiah almost starts off by suggesting that you you, you think, well, Jesus, maybe he isn't that different. Isaiah starts off describing Jesus this way. He says, his servant grew up like a tender young plant. He grew like a root coming out of dry ground. In other words, Jesus grew up like any other kid. Kids are kids. You feed them, they keep growing. Jesus was no different. Isaiah continues, and again, it seems like he's saying Jesus was not too radically different. He said, he didn't have any beauty or majesty that made us notice him. There wasn't anything special about him, about the way he looked, that drew us to him. Now, is anybody familiar with Edwina McDowell? Edwina McDonald? Anybody? She's a theologian from the late 80s, early 90s, who once said, all babies are beautiful. <laughs> now, I would disagree with Edwina. I'd say some babies are beautiful. Some babies are kind of plain Jane. And some babies, they got a face only their mama could love. <laughs> just a fact. Now, I'll admit it, you, you may not, but it's the truth. I mean, just think, think about it. Which one of you would, would be willing to admit you're better looking than your siblings, right? Thank you, Jay. I appreciate the self-awareness, all right? I mean, you just... Yeah. Isaiah's telling us in a world where so much emphasis is put on physical appearance, there was nothing about Jesus that would turn our heads. But, but then Isaiah, he begins to talk about what made Jesus so different. Our, our song... Again, it it, it alludes to it. We sang about it in the second verse. We sang, Nails, spear, shall pierce him through. The cross he bore for me, for you. See, See, the carol is talking about Jesus and the crucifixion here. And what the carol alludes to, Isaiah talks about very specifically, graphically. And Isaiah doesn't just tell us what happened to Jesus. Isaiah tells us why it happened. Isaiah writes, But the servant was pierced. Why? Because we had sinned. He was crushed. Why? Because we had done what was evil. He was punished. Why? To make us whole again. His wounds... Have healed us. Isaiah tells us that this child. Who laid his head on Mary's lap. That that his hands. That his feet. They'd be pierced by nails. That a spear would pierce his side. Because of our sin. Now, by sin, we're simply talking about anything that we have said or or done or thought that is outside of God's will. And every one of us would admit that from time to time we go there. We all know we're not perfect. We've all done things that are outside of God's will. But Isaiah will say, it's because of that that this child was pierced. Or Isaiah will say that Jesus would one day be crushed under the weight of a cross because of the evil that we had done. Now, this is where the message of Isaiah and the message of Christmas gets harder to hear. We don't like to think of ourselves as having done evil. Evil is a term that we reserve for, for people who take the lives of others in anger. Evil is a term that we would reserve for someone who would profit from trafficking another human being or or someone who would drain one person's retirement account to fill their own. That's evil. I mean, sure, we don't always get it right, but we're not evil. But what we need to understand here is this isn't about how we compare with each other. This is about how we compare to God. And the Bible would teach us that, that God is holy, that he's free from sin, that there is no wrong found in him. See, I, I can always find somebody who's worse off than I am. That's not the issue. It's about how do I compare to a holy, sinless God? And I know I fall woefully short and the gap between me and this holy, sinless God, that constitutes what is evil. And Isaiah says, because of that, Jesus was crushed. See, this is, this is the bad news. The difficult news. The offensive news of Christmas. Christmas tells us we're not Okay. Christmas tells us that that we were far from God. The message of Jesus coming to us in Christmas in part is that we were sinners in need of a Savior. But Isaiah doesn't just give us the bad news, he gives us the good news as well. Isaiah tells us next, he says, that Jesus was punished to make us whole again. Throughout that 53rd chapter, Isaiah points again and again that as Jesus is pierced, that as he is crushed, that as he suffers, that he does so in our place. That that Jesus on the cross, he takes your place and mine. For our sin, he suffers in our stead. And because of that... We can be made spiritually whole again. Or Isaiah says, his wounds have healed us. The damage that our sin did to our relationship with God, the wedge that it drove between us and him, Jesus' wounds can bring healing. The, the, The damage that our sin does to our lives, emotionally or relationally or spiritually, Isaiah says that Jesus' wounds can bring healing to that. See, this, this is what makes that child so different. It's that in Jesus, we have the only child ever to be born who went from crown to cradle to cross. Jesus is the only child ever born who laid aside his crown in heaven to be born to a cradle here on earth so that he would one day go and die on the cross for the sins of humanity. And that is why we sing in the third verse that he is the king of kings, the one whose salvation brings. Let loving hearts enthrone him. There is no other child who can claim to be the king of the earth. Who can say that he has the right to sit on the throne of our hearts. Who can bring salvation again to our lives. Except for this Jesus. And so tonight, whether you're with us in person, whether you're with us online, If you've never said yes to that Jesus, if you've never invited him to be the king of your life, to sit on the throne of your heart, if you've never said yes to the gift that that he gave in being pierced and crushed in your stead, if you know you need to be healed, as we pray, I want to invite you to pray with me and to say yes to that Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for this child who is different than any other child before him, than any other child after him. Father, this evening, some of us, we know, We need a savior. We are broken. We need someone who can make forgiveness of sins possible. And so tonight we say yes to the king of kings. We just confess our brokenness and our sin to you. We want the salvation that he brings. We want to put our hope and our faith and our trust in Jesus. We want to surrender all of who we are to Him and let our hearts enthrone Him. It's in His name that we pray. Amen.